I'm Jonas Sickler, and this is SEO in 2023 Additional Insights. Jonas, what's your additional insight for SEO in 2023? I think uh, Google will continue to release more helpful content updates going forward, and um, it's really going to be up to users to create a uh, more satisfying experience and figure out how to solve for search intent while also providing some unique value on top of that. Okay, so how does Google go about really understanding search intent? It's been re- it's been evolving its uh, algorithm significantly over the years to be able to understand some of the nuance of human language. Um, some of those things are around um, just topics and subtopics so that it understands what the relationships are between different themes and then how they fit together. And uh, it's getting quite good at, at picking apart uh, human language and understanding things like from and to and these little words that previously were sort of ignored by Google. And now it understands that there's definitely uh, when somebody uses a word um, that seems insignificant, it actually carries a lot of meaning and helps Google understand more about what somebody's trying to get at and has evolved quite a bit to be able to even understand the differences between something like what are the benefits of doing something versus what is the importance of doing something? It understands that there's some sort of different meaning and expectation between those two words. Okay, understood. Is it possible to really, for an SEO, to really measure the value of search intent and um, the kind of impact that it actually has on the bottom line? It's really a story about the customer journey. And so we, when SEOs look at, uh, we can look at conversions and traffic, but what we really need to understand is, do you want to show, I think like a lot of times what happens is people look at the bottom of the funnel as the, the big you know end game. They want to capture the conversion at the end, but um, really search intent is about getting in front of users throughout the entire customer journey and making sure that you're present as they're just starting to figure out what their problem is. You're present again as they're starting to weigh different solutions because you're able to guide the narrative and guide the story and be in front of them at key moments as they move from that awareness down to the purchase side. And so we need to be measuring things like traffic and uh, and more awareness style metrics, even branded metrics, um, not just conversions, because we want to get in front of them throughout the entire journey. And part of getting in front of a customer is to build topic clusters to try and ensure that you cover a topic completely. So how do you go about researching the right topic clusters to be in front of and ensure that you cover every single micro topic within there? That is a, that's a really interesting puzzle to solve. Uh, one of my favorite topics. And a lot of it comes down to understanding how Google perceives topics, how Google understands that they're connected. Really, I mean, Google's trying to, to serve things to its, to the user base that, um, that uses search that it believes they're going to want. And so there isn't a single um, sort of puzzle that you can say, well, everything's going to fit into this box. You really have to turn to search every single time that you have a question. You have to take your keyword set into Google and say, well, does Google grouping these 
terms together and returning the same set of search results for these sets of keywords? Or is Google looking at this a little differently and saying this deserves its own separate piece of content? It's a little bit more targeted. Examples might be like content strategy versus e-commerce content strategy versus B2B content strategy. Is Google just returning generic content strategy? articles for that? Or is it getting a little bit deeper and saying, no, these actually are their own separate uh, things and we need to have separate pieces of content for that. So I would look at um, when you're grouping the keywords, which is the hardest thing about developing content uh, cluster or uh, topic clusters is just really make sure that if you're producing something, does Google see it as something separate or as part of the same bigger topic of something else? So that way you're not producing hundreds of, of sim- very similar articles and getting no traffic to any of them, but instead you're producing enough where you're able to show up across the spectrum, but not, you know, not so many that you're getting redundant. Okay, so step one, perhaps come up with some seed keyword phrases, perhaps use a keyword tool to do that. Then actually search Google yourself to see what kind of content already exists for those keyword phrases to see what Google is looking for. Um, and then in terms of actually basketing these keyword phrases together um, to actually determine what keywords are related in order to actually, I guess, apply to the same topic cluster. Is, is there specialist software that you use to do, to do that or is that a fairly manual task? You can. There's a lot of software out there and everyone, I think that's really kind of where a lot of the development is these days in trying to develop uh, clustering tools, clustering software. The big challenge is there's kind of two different branches. One branch says like we're going to cluster keywords based on related similar terms that are included. The other branch says, well, give us a whole bunch of keywords. Our software is going to go to Google, search it, and then look for matching URLs and cluster them if we find a whole bunch of URLs returning the same sets for each keyword. That's the better approach, but I still prefer the manual approach to um, automation because I really, I think that there's something it's, there's a you're just basically looking for some strategic direction and there's no piece of soft. Every software is based on rules and you're, if you're using it, you're using somebody else's grouping rules and that may not align with your own SEO strategy and your own content strategy because there's, it, there is no one answer. It's always a choice. And the choice is, do I want to try to rank one article for more keywords or do I want to rank several articles for a larger set of keywords if Google says you can do either one of these and win. Because usually that's the case. You'll see like one website ranks, you know, number two or something, one or two for everything with an ultimate guide. And then everybody else is sort of targeting separate, slightly different intents with the keywords and ranking well with those. So you kind of want to be able to see what's possible if I write four articles that are all the targets slightly similar but related terms. Am I able to rank? Is somebody else doing it? And then the second uh, thing is, you know, is it, I like to write more pieces of content that are a little bit more unique and targeted when the, when Google is saying, yes, this is, it's, it's possible to do that rather than a single mega guide, because you're able to just kind of tweak and target your audience a little bit better, be more specific. That's a great point, actually. Um, so a lot of these bits of software out there that are actually used to structure content are based on rules, and these rules are perhaps perhaps historic rules, or perhaps rules that um, only cover certain aspects of what you're trying to do. And um, if you don't check things manually, at least, then you could be missing out on quite a few opportunities there as well. Yeah, and and you, it's also about how thorough your content is. So a tool might say 
here's you can write 20 different articles uh, about this topic because we're finding that it's possible to rank on those things. But if you decide you want to be a little bit more comprehensive and you're better at optimizing the on-page elements, you're probably going to rank for a larger circle of terms and then that pushes the other ones out. So yeah, it really depends. Like, do you want to go sort of skim the surface and go thin, which I don't recommend. Do you want to go mega guide and try to hit it all? Which again, I don't really recommend. I think the sweet spot lies in the middle where you're able to differentiate where the intents are, are separate, but you're able to be a bit more comprehensive and say, well, if things are similar and related, then we're going to try to cover all those related points to so that we're not leaving users searching for more answers when when we don't have to. And you're also a fan of coming up with unique perspectives uh, when still answering the query. So that sounds like the toughest part because obviously there's so much content out there. There are so many answers answering the same question or keyword phrase. So how do you come up with those unique perspectives? Uh, part of it comes from the initial audience research that you do around your personas and the journey. But another piece of that is um, really trying to trying to look at the angles that Google's returning in in the SERP. Um, if you see something that uh, you know, if if you search something and it's like a whole bunch of ultimate guides are returned. Are those, are they all beginner guides? Are they all advanced guides? Are they comprehensive or are they sort of introductory and making sure that you're not diverging from the expectation because Google's saying, well, when, when we believe that when people search this thing, they're looking for something that's more surface level. So you can't go and be, you know, hyper advanced on the topic, but you can find maybe a unique audience spin on it and create something that's um, sort of maybe it's an intermediate. So it's like a bridge guide, or um, you can say for marketers, or you can, you know, make sure that you're calling out your audience in that so that you're still satisfying the intent, but you're being a, maybe a little bit more specific than others are in the SERP. I love your advice talking about the different levels of content, uh, depending on the abilities of the audience and what they want to to find out as well. Because I think a lot of people focus on just the keyword or answering a question without actually really thinking about it, what the audience wants to find out and doing a great job of uh, providing the answer that they're looking for. Yeah, that's really important because, I mean, th- there's a reason that Google's returning these results. I think it's easy as SEOs to just fall back and say, well, everyone, the reason that the top, you know, top 10 results are very similar is because everyone's copying each other. But we have to remember that Google is filtering these results for a reason. It's not just, you know, because they're being copied. It's uh, there's Google's algorithm is designed to see what users are likely to be searching for. And when you have a, a keyword space that's enormous and there's a ton of different uh, different types of searches involved in it, Google has to really kind of parse through that and understand, um, hey, people seem to be uh, enjoying the... Uh, more beginner side when they search this this particular phrase and and then they are they specify when they want something different um so yeah i think beyond just like i think a lot of it's easy to for everyone to kind of get hung up on just format you know is this a a list of things or a number of steps or a how to or a definition but that angle is really important and i've seen things where you know just you know we've targeted seo and as Google has kind of gotten the, the the term, the keyword SEO, and as Google has gotten more sophisticated and, and realized, no, you know, people want beginner stuff, our more advanced guides have kind of fallen fallen uh, down in search, but we don't want to change that because it's 
we're still targeting for our audience. So sometimes you just, just have to say, well, you know, this keyword no longer is, is relevant for us to target in that way because um, Google wants to see something different and it doesn't align with our audience to write it that way. And one reason, another reason why you want to create content is you want to hopefully generate links to your site. So is there a particular aspect about a piece of content that makes it likely that people will want to link to it? Yeah, there's, um, I think there's a number of different approaches. Generally speaking, um, there's, you know, the, the ones everybody knows about. If you include statistics, you're going to probably get some links. If you have thought leadership or quotes, you're going to get uh, more links. If you have, uh, take a, a very complex topic and distill it down in a simplified way visually, um, that's, that's good for, uh, for getting links, especially if you're, I think we've kind of all moved away at this point, hopefully from the, um, you know, the gigantic infographic that gets pasted onto a site to get links. And instead we're, we're more smartly and strategically breaking it down into like little, little square graphics that tell parts of the story and then placing those in the content where it makes sense. So it might still be the same, uh, overall graphic, but it's now broken down in a way that's uh, more shareable and more bite-sized. And there's a lot of extra text around it to explain the story better than just a whole, um, you know, whole bunch of numbers and data points. So I think those are the, the big ones are statistics and quotes and graphics to sort of boil down complex topics. And one reason why people will want to link to you is because they perceive that you are an authority on a particular topic. So are there any particular ways that you would recommend reinforcing the fact to demonstrate that you are actually the authority on that and you're the one that should be quoted on a particular topic? Uh, I think there's a, a few things that can be done. First of all, I um, mean, thinking back on the topic cluster idea is don't ever cover a topic too thinly. Uh, you want to make sure that you're providing value and the value i the way i think about it is it extends it's not just hey i wrote about this idea and it's a it's an interesting idea but rather every single subsection every single paragraph every single sentence is there for a purpose the content is providing true value and you can read that paragraph that section that piece of content and come away with actionable advice actionable tips so that you're not just kind of fluffing uh, around keywords and people kind of see through that. And when you provide that real value, they say, you know, this is this, this person, this author, this website is a really trusted source of information. And then if you do that around all of the different subtopics and create those topic clusters, then they're seeing you as an expert, not just around one thing, but around an entire topic. And, um, I think that's one area but then you need to kind of think off page as well. You need to start thinking, how can I take these insights to social media? How can I build my brand uh, through email? How can I build my brand out through doing webinars and speaking at events and conferences and sort of putting yourself out there as someone who's, uh, and I, I mean, someone as like a brand or an individual, it's not, not just uh, people, but uh, companies to just say, you know, we're, we're thinking big and broad about this topic. And we want to be able to educate our audience and be a leader in the industry. Uh, so it goes well beyond just publishing a few pieces of content on your website. So you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2023. So now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2023? Well, I think we've all just seen Google uh, kind of come back at, around with the uh, with another link update recently, 
And uh, this one, it feels a little bit different this time because they, they're starting to use their, um, their spam brain to look for link manipulations. And so I'm not saying don't build links, of course, no SEO would say that. But what I'm saying is um, prioritize properly. So if you um, think about start with your uh, user experience, start with great content, uh, think about satisfying search intent and create the best experiences you can on your website, create topic clusters, internal link, uh, all of your, your content properly, do all those things first, create the experiences first, and then turn to links because you're going to naturally start to uh, earn those links if you've created great content. Uh, and I know it's a bit cliched, but it's true. I mean, if you start, if you really focus on building yourself as an authority, your website up as an authority and creating amazing content, you're going to earn some links. You can then go out and ask for some because your content deserves it, not because you're doing it the other way around where you're just saying, well, we're going to just um, you know throw up a whole bunch of content as quick as we can, and we'll build links to rank. Instead, I would say invest those resources in creating the best content you can, the most efficient and effective content that you can, uh, and do all those other things first, and then then look for links because Google's getting really crafty and is able to spot the link manipulation algorithmically and ignore them. So why waste time doing that stuff before you've done the uh, the more important work? Jonas Sickler is SEO manager at Terrakeet, and you can find him over at terrakeet.com. Jonas, thanks so much for adding your additional insights to SEO in 2023. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a great discussion, and uh, I look forward to uh, sharing it on social. I've been your host, David Bain, and you've been listening to SEO in 2023 Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2023 podcast, video series and book. Find out more over at seoin2023.com.